Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Jonathan Raggis, I'm back. Mike's not hosting. <laughs> not this time. I'm back for my little uh, holiday here. But you know what? Welcome to Fan Junkies Radio. It's a beautiful day. As always, Jonathan Raggis here. Alongside me, my good friend, Mike McShane. Mike, how you doing, pal? Real good. Real good. How was your holiday? Huh? It was good. It was good. How was yours? Yeah, no, it was, it was very nice. Very nice. Nice long weekend. Lots of football in there. Had football all day on... Thursday, then uh, Saturday, all the college ball uh, ball games, and then uh, yesterday. Wow, just a weekend full of sports and football. Yeah, well, that's always a good weekend, right? Especially coming off uh, Thanksgiving, because uh, I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I, I eat a lot. You know, it's uh, I was and a we, tough guy. Yeah, and you know, we held the fort down for you there on Friday. Man, you know, it was a good show. Kick, it was a good show. Kick in on. Yeah, yeah, we, we we tried our best. You know. Dave did a good job by, uh, you know, I heard the Jaeger being drank. Yeah, yes. We were talking all those all those Turkey Day games and what have you and the fallout from all those. So uh, we had that covered. It was good times. Yeah, it was. It, it was a lot of fun. Well, so. You know, big shout out to Sidekick. Thanks for uh, filling in on Friday. Really appreciate it. So I yep. could uh, enjoy some uh, family time. There you go. Went down to Jersey, hung out in Princeton for a little bit. Good times. Very nice. Very, very nice. Got a good show today. Joining us in a little bit is yep. former NBA player and current New Orleans Hornets scout, Chucky Brown. Good yep. guy. And everybody's going to hear what a good guy he is when he calls in at around the 12.15 mark. Uh-huh. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but before we get started anything, I just, uh, you know, Mike, myself, we want to send out our prayers and condolences to uh, Kevin McHale and his family over the loss of his daughter wow. uh, over the weekend. Uh, she passed away at the age of 23 and... Uh, you know, terrible tragedy, you know, when anybody passes away that young. And, you know, once again, our uh, condolences and prayers out to uh, Kevin, his wife, and uh, the rest of their family and friends. You know, you got to give it to a guy like Kevin McHale. He's a class act. He really is. Yeah, um, he is. You know, that came as such a shock to me because, you know, he kept it very, very private. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's always been pretty much of a private guy. So yeah, and and uh, what a what a tragedy and what a a sad situation. But you really, really got to give him high praise for you know keeping things separate, you know, and keeping them out of the media and what have you. So yeah, yeah, his daughter Alexandra, from what I was reading earlier today, was uh, she's been uh, you know a, a long sufferer from uh, lupus and uh, was hospitalized. I, I guess in the beginning of November with a uh, condition that was spurred on by the uh, autoimmune disease lupus. So, yep. Yep. you know, real shame, uh, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves put out a really nice statement saying that they were able to watch uh, Alexandra grow up and, you know, to become the wonderful woman that she was. And, uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine what Kevin McHale and his family are going through right uh, now. Yeah, really. And I don't ever want to. You know? No, no. So, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's a great place to start the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Uh, you know what? It's, you sent me a really cool story today. <laughs> yeah. Um, Giants tight end Martellus Bennett basically turned into a superhero. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, you would you would have to say he turned to a superhero during the Green Bay Packers game yesterday. Yeah, he's you know going into the locker room, he's throwing up his gloves, and what happens? A fan leans over the railing and falls. Uh huh. And from a good height. And what does Martellus Bennett do? His spidey sense kicked in. He caught this fan and saved this fan's life. Incredible. E- easily, this person could have died or been seriously hurt. Seriously injured. Yes. Because it was so, it, it was from such a good height and the way they were falling, they could have easily broken their neck or something. Yep. You know, uh, you know what an awesome story, especially coming right after Thanksgiving. Well, you know, I, I I wish there had been video coverage of it. It, it must have been awesome. Somebody, you know what? Somebody's got to have video, man, of it. I mean, it's it's 2012. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh come on! You know, imagine you're going down the tunnel, and the next thing you know, you just put your arms out and catch a guy. Yeah. You know, just uh, you know, you know, and you bring up a good point. That's uh, you know, we're 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 planning on spending a good deal of Wednesday show talking about uh, you know, fan behavior and things like that. And here's a situation where, you know, a, a feel good story like this, where you got a guy going out and 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 helping a fan. I mean, this is just. Terrific, terrific story. <coughs> you know, another another one, though, uh, that I was kind of touched by yesterday, uh, uh, Jonathan, I don't know whether you saw it or not, was the Colts cheerleader. No, no, no. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, so yeah. tell us. The Colts cheerleader, uh, uh, Megan, they, they only have her, uh, they, they didn't list her last name, who uh, shaved her head uh, in honor of Chuck Pagano. And then went out and and cheered the whole uh, time on the uh, squad that whole uh, game. That's great. Uh, and she raised, oh, I think uh, it, she said she would do it as as a as a fundraiser, you know, yes. raise money for uh, for cancer and then cancer research. Uh, she ended up raising close to twenty five thousand dollars. Wow, good for her. Yeah, good and, for her. That's uh, awesome. It was really, really, uh, you know, it was really kind of odd because. We're sitting here watching the game, and, of course, you know, like, as I've pointed out before, and as you well know, we'll sit here and we watch, you know, three games at a time. And so we don't always know exactly what all the background and detail is. And they, you know, the camera pans over and they show uh, they show this Megan uh, uh, girl cheering on the sideline, completely shaved. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and then you find out the story there after the fact. And, it, you know, it's another one of those, you know, so we had we – had, a couple of really good feel-good stories. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Like I said, you know, coming right after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas and, and the holiday season, I mean, you know, to have these feel-good stories is great because I hate to say it, you don't, you, you don't hear about these stories unless you really dig around. Exactly. And look for them, you know. It's it's like bad news is, is what, you know, everybody wants to put front and center. But yet you got the uh, story about the Cole Schiller, which I didn't even hear about yeah. until you told me just now. And then – with the Martellus Bennett story yesterday. Yeah. Which is funny because Martellus Bennett, he went on to saying that, uh, you know, naturally he just wanted to step back, but he did the righteous thing and he stepped up and caught him and saved his life. He tapped into his inner superhero, which he does have, he says. Yeah. Uh, he went on to say, uh, and I quote, I'm usually a ninja, yeah. but my fighting senses told me he was going to take a fall, so I saved his life. He owes me his firstborn or something. <laughs> Actually, I don't want that. Maybe a sandwich or something. Yeah, yeah. A sandwich. I don't want that. Just know? a sandwich would be fine. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's terrific. I think you know, when you see and like I said, we're, we're you know, you and I were, we were talking a little bit. Maybe on Wednesday we're going to spend some time talking about you know fan behavior and 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 what have you. And uh, uh, to 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 read stories like this uh, starts to make you at least 
have some confidence in where you know that there is some good that comes out of uh, of of our sports behaviors. Let's put yeah. it that way. Unfortunately, it's few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, uh, you know, and then now getting over to our next thing that we wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to mention this on Wednesday show. You know, on Wednesday, Mike and me, we're going to do a big show based on fan behavior over a couple of stories that just happened. Uh, you know, last night, one thing broke with the New York Jets. I'm sure you all know about that by now, but we're going to talk about that on Wednesday and fan behavior based around that kind of stuff. But last night in the Bengals-Raiders game, three players were ejected. A huge brawl ensued. Um, you know, Lamar Houston, he, he, he took, uh, you know, Andy Dalton of the Bengals. He basically just slammed him down way after the whistle, Mike. Yeah. Way after the whistle. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm happy to say this, but Cincinnati tackle Andrew Whitworth, he went after Houston. Good yep. for him. Protect yep. your quarterback. Absolutely. You know, especially with garbage like that. So Lamar Houston turns into a thug last night. And because of that, a whole brawl ensues. But then, Mike, you said that you actually saw two Raiders uh, players being escorted off the field by police. Well, right. The two that were actually were uh, ultimately ejected, which uh, were – was it Houston and Whitworth? Yeah, Houston and Whitworth were, were ejected. Were ejected. Well, as uh, – uh, who else was ejected? Somebody else was ejected. Well, the, one, of the, one of the Cincinnati Bengals was ejected. Yeah, Kelly was ejected. Exactly. Now, uh, we're watching it, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, in fact, I'm almost positive, the, the game is being played in Cincinnati. And I think that probably what the case was, uh, Houston and Whitworth were escorted off, police escort, probably more for their own security. Because I think the concern was, as they left the field, they could have been pelted from the fans, uh, you know, with, with whatever was in their hands. So it was probably more just as their own for their own protection they were escorted out of uh of of the uh of the playing field. But uh it, it just uh, it was a horrible display. I mean, look, we've all seen we have all seen situations where uh things get a little rough. You know, you get a couple of guys in, in pushing each other, you know, maybe after the whistle a little it happens. bit. It happens. You know, somebody hits somebody upside the head, slaps somebody upside the head. You know, if you saw this video, Jonathan, I, I I think when I sent it over to you this morning, there was video attached to it. Yeah, I, I actually saw it live yesterday, believe it or okay. not. Okay. I didn't see the guys being, you know, taken off the field by police, but I did see it. Well, when you watch this video, this is a prolonged situation. I mean, they are in – I mean, you know, it's wor- it was worse than a rugby scrum. I mean, let's get it straight. You know, there, people are being thrown around. I mean, it was it – was, a pretty nasty display of, uh, of of really lack of sportsmanship. Yes. Uh, all caused, as you point out, by an unnecessary roughness uh, situation on uh, on on um, uh, Andy Dalton. I mean, you know, there was no reason well, you for know, him to be hit that hard. Exactly. If you watch what Lamar Houston did, I mean, way after the whistle, the whistle kept blowing. He still continued to grab Dalton and slam him to the turf. He got up and walked off like a complete thug. Yeah. You yep. know, he got up and he walked off like, yeah, whatever, I got your quarterback, you know? Well, well, well right. I mean, it almost appeared he had his chest puffed out like as if he yes. was like, like proud of what he did. Exactly. exactly. It's funny, though, because uh, Chris Chase from USA Today wrote on the uh, on the article about this. It said that uh, it took three Raiders to hold back Kelly, which makes sense because Oakland can't defend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Yeah. But, I, I, no, it was, it was absolutely uh, – it was uncalled for. But then what was what was uncalled for as well? And look, like I said, I can see and I can understand. Look, it's a close contact sport. 
you know, tempers are going to get going. But for this to go on the way that it did there after the fact, you couldn't even get referees to break it up. Uh, some of the guys that look like... You're not going to get these old, scrawny referees to break up these big guys. You know what I mean? It's well, come on, man. You know what? Which is why I said when stuff like this happens, especially on a football field, I think there should be some people, some kind of security designated just for this. Well, and it, it, it appears to me in the uh, – and I'm surprised that there really actually weren't more uh, penalties. But it appears to me that some of the referees are actually made contact with by some of the players. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, you know, we're going to – as you just pointed out, we're going to be talking on Wednesday about fan behavior. And you got to wonder, when you see displays like this that are going on down on the field, well, <laughs> well why wouldn't there be problems with fans? <laughs> this is where it stems from. I mean, you could – Listen, we're going to talk about this Wednesday, but let me just throw this out there. You you know what? We still talk about how athletes are role models, whatever. There was a lot of kids in the stands yesterday. Yeah. No matter what. And this is what they're seeing. So they're going to go out now into their Pee Wee Football League. They're going to go out and play schoolyard football, whatever. And they're going to think, hey, if somebody does something rotten or something by accident to me, I could take it into my own hands. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. How many times, you know, and I know that. You know, there have been a number of people, a number of, of, of athletes and what have you, who have made the statement before. I think Charles Barkley is actually one of them, who has said, look, I am not a role model. I do not want to be a role model. Hey, you know something? Whether you want it or not, whether you agree with it or not, accept the fact that you are. Listen, there are I, people that look up to you. I'm sorry. You know what? If you're going to be any kind of professional athlete and you're going to be making money by kids trying to buy your jerseys, buying video games that you're a part of, you're a role model. Exactly. You may not want it, but you are. So that means you have to act like a decent human being and to show these kids that, you know, what's right from wrong. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No matter what, you become a parent, you're automatically a role model. Right. You know, so what's the difference? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and I used to have this uh, – I used to have conversations very similar to that with parents because, as you know, I was a, a former teacher. Yeah. And we'll get into some of that on Wednesday. Absolutely. But listen – we're going to stop talking about these rotten people, and we're going to get to a great person yep. as our guest is here. And, uh, you know, awesome to say we're uh, joined by uh, former NBA player and current New Orleans Hornets scout Chucky Brown. How's it going, Chucky? Everything is good, man. How are you doing? I hope, I hope it's not too loud in the background here. Not, not, not at all, man. You sound great. Where are you at? Oh, actually, well, thank you. Uh, Where are you I'm at? actually at uh, I'm in Orlando at uh, Universal Studios with my kids. <laughs> oh, okay, that's oh, that's wonderful. Hey, listen, Chuck, you, you're not back in those teacups, are you? <laughs> no, nah. <laughs> nah, they make me dizzy, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome, Chuck. You know what? Thanks for taking the time out from being on vacation with your family to uh, call in and uh, talk some uh, basketball and uh, other stuff with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that's no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely, man. It's Listen, like I said, it's a real honor because there was a few times, man, where I saw you toast my New York Knicks, and I said, man, that Chucky Brown, you know? <laughs> Especially just be talking to you, man, you know, you know, because you're not toasting my Knicks no more, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Knicks, you know, the Knicks was one of my teams growing up, and I always wanted to play for them, so I figured if I had a good showing in the garden, maybe they would call me for a job one day, but it never happened. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you are from New York originally. What part of New York were you from? Uh, uh, Manhattan, Harlem, uh, 147th Street, 7th Avenue, Espinard Garden. Nice. Listen, man, I'm a Queens product, man. I, I used to play ball at Lamar Odom, so, you know. Okay, Espinard. okay. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, man. 
All right. Well, you know what, Chucky? Let's you know what? Let's talk a little bit about your NBA career first. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna bring it up, man. You played for 12 NBA teams. Right. Right. And, yeah, I'm and, not ashamed uh, of it. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, man? There's a lot of people that would hate to be known for that, but I mean, you seem to really like to be known for that. I mean, there was even a, you know a shot of you maybe signing with the Charlotte Bobcats last year, or or even early this year to see if you could. <laughs> yeah, that... if I could break the record. <laughs> talk, 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 wait, talk to us about that Perlman story, because uh, Perlman actually had a story out there saying that you could have come down there and helped out Charlotte, and he was calling on you to be the savior. Hey, I'll tell you what, I, I would have done it, um, you know, I, I, I took it, you know, to have a job uh, was, was good for me because, you know, it, it's not it's not often that every you know everybody can't play in the NBA. So, you know, for me to be able to play in the NBA any way they wanted me to play, I was going to show up and play. And if the Bobcats would have called me, I could have give, given them about 10 or 15 minutes. I, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, <laughs> I give about five. I need about five shots so I can go three for five every night. I could still make a jumper, uh, and that would be about it. But as far as, like, running the floor every play, I couldn't do that anymore. I'm 44 now, so I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't run the floor hard every time. and I couldn't get you a dunk like that. And I could still dunk, but not like that. <laughs> well, listen, man, listen, there's some players in the NBA now that still can't run the floor. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Why not, you know? <laughs> Here's the deal, That's though. Right. I love your I love your confidence and the fact that you you I mean you're saying, oh no, man, I'll go out there, I can do it. I can't do all this, but I can give you this and this. I think that. Well, I, I know how to play. I know how to play. You know, if you know how to play, you know, you know when to get in the way and when to stay out of the way. So I, I know how to play basketball. So I mean, it, it wouldn't be a problem getting back out there. The problem would be. You know, playing the full court game, you know, at my age, that would be problem. <laughs> hey, listen, man, you know what? I think you could do it, man. You actually lasted on the teacups. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. If I could last on them things, I could do anything. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh. If the knees are good enough to sit in there, I think you can handle the floor, can't you, huh? Yeah, I can handle it. I can handle it, but just not too long. I think, I think uh, because you hadn't played at that level. Uh, in so long that you, your body will be hurting. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. Listen, man. I, you know what? I'm I'm 30 years old. I haven't played uh, organized bowl in a while. You know what? I I run the half court, man. I feel like I'm going to die from an asthma attack. So yeah, I know the and feeling. You played a lot longer than me, and you played at a professional level. So man, if you know, I feel you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Trust me. <laughs> Oh, man. So, Mike, man, you, you actually had a couple of questions for Chucky, man. Why don't you roll one of those off to him? Yeah, uh, Chucky, you're, right now you're doing some scouting uh, for uh, New Orleans. Is that right? Right. Yeah, that's, a, okay. that's correct. Okay, so my question really revolves around the whole concept of scouting in the uh, in the NBA. Uh, and actually okay. a couple of questions. Uh, are you scouting – now, what is it that you're scouting? Are you just scouting developmental teams, or are you scouting the college ranks in preparation for, say, the draft coming up next uh, next spring? Yeah, I'm scouting the uh the college ranks. Um just looking for looking for kids that uh I mean everyone knows who's good. So I mean what you do is as far as the scouting goes, you wanna find out uh about a guy. You wanna find out the character, you wanna find out what he likes to eat, does he like to go out, what does he like to do when he likes to go out, does he have a girlfriend, does he like girls, does he like boys, what you know, whatever. You know, he's just trying to find out the the background uh information on a guy. Because everyone knows who can play. And, you know, every now and then you'll find that guy 
uh, that one guy that no one knows about. But you know, with the with the uh, telecommunication stuff, you know, the, the Facebook, the Twitter, and all this uh, communication stuff, uh, the media outlets, you know, everyone you know knows about everyone. So now you got to find out about the character. So everyone doesn't find out about the character of individuals. So is that? I mean, you're placing a lot of emphasis on the whole character aspect. Are you actually yeah. finding yourself in in stands and in stadiums across you know different regions, what have you, in you know watching these guys play when they're playing for I don't know whatever teams that you're you're scouting? Yeah, you find yourself uh, all over the place, especially in the preseason tournaments. Uh, but for the most part, I'm in the southeast area, uh, okay. North Carolina, down to pretty much Florida. I'm exactly. in that that uh that region. But mm-hmm. um I was in Connecticut at the um at the Mohegan Sun for that tournament. So I mean I can find myself anywhere. Right. But um uh, but my, my main region is the Southeast region. Now I'm a big I am a big NCAA basketball fan. Uh, okay. <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> of what you're seeing right now, uh who are the good teams? Now give us give us an idea. Who who can we expect coming out of the NCAA this year? Who's looking really good? Um, I think right now, early, I mean, even though it's, it's it's still rather early, I think you got to look at Duke. Duke looks good. Uh, Michigan looks pretty good. Um, I, I got a chance to watch Ohio State. I thought they looked they, – they may not have the most talent, but I thought they looked like a tough team that's going to be tough to beat. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see Duke and Ohio State play. I think they play this week, tomorrow. Yeah. Or okay. I think yeah they play tomorrow, but that's going to be interesting to see because those are two, two of the I think two of the top teams. And I think Louisville looked pretty good, mm-hmm. and I think Duke just beat them. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think I think you have quite a few teams out there that look pretty good. I think it's going to be a wide open once the tournament starts because you can't predict injuries and you know how a player is feeling. Uh, you're not going to know what's going to happen once the tournament starts. Okay. Uh, one other real quick one that I had for you. Uh, there was a report here. I'm actually from the Philadelphia region. And uh-huh. one, there was a report uh, out here that the 76ers were looking at purchasing a developmental team. In fact, a defunct one, I believe, out in the Utah area. How many uh, How many basketball teams, how many NBA teams now are getting into the whole concept of developmental teams? And wouldn't that be the first place to be going uh, almost like a minor league? Well, I, I know they're trying to get it to be like that, but I think that the fact that um, they don't have, like when the developmental league first started, they had an age requirement. You couldn't be, like, over uh, 25 um, yeah. and be a part of the developmental league. I think in order for them to use it as a farm system, they need to get back to doing something like that because if you have a – a guy that's 30 years old playing in the developmental league, I mean, what is he developing? He, I mean, develop, what is he developing, amnesia? I, I don't know, but there's not, much, there's not much to develop. You know what I'm saying? Once you're 30, you're pretty developed. You're, you're on the downside of your career, I think. So yeah. I think that they, for one thing, they need to get back to the age requirement as far as, you know, you can't be over 25 because at, at 25, you're still developing as a player. You're still getting better. Um, so, uh, once they do that, then it, it can be a true developmental league. I don't think it's really a true developmental league right now, and that's why, you know, guys, they look other places, really, to, to find players. Do you think that that's the future? Is it moving in that direction? Uh, I think it's moving in the direction of becoming more of a de- – de- I think it's getting back to it because it was in the beginning. I think it's going to get back 
to uh, being more developmentally because, I mean, like I said, you can't have, I mean, nothing against Antoine Walker. I mean, but Antoine Walker played in the developmental league last year. Wow. I mean, you can't, I mean, I mean how can you have, you know, Antoine Walker playing in the developmental league? I mean, if, you wanna, if you're interested in Antoine Walker, you need to bring him in for a workout to make sure he's in shape, you know, to make sure, you know, those type of things. You know, you yeah. fly him in and do that, or he goes to, you know, teams or whatever and does that because for a guy like Antoine Walker to play in the developmental league, you know, it just it just shouldn't happen. I'm just I like Antoine. I got no beef with Antoine. I mean, they let him play, but I'm just saying it, it's not a true developmental league when you have 38 year old guys playing yeah. developmental league. You know what I'm saying? Good point. Well, well, absolutely. Point. But you know what? Not even that. I mean, you know, having a 38 year old guy like Antoine Walker on the NBA D team, that's just taking away a spot from somebody who could potentially be an NBA player. Exactly. So, I mean, when you're doing stuff like that, I mean, you got young guys out there. You know, Antoine Walker has a big enough rep to where he can go overseas, you know, to, and the money is not as good as it was overseas. But he can go over there and make him some quick money and just come on back home. Yeah. Whereas a younger guy who's not established, it'll be, a, it'll be much harder for him. Because you got guys like Stephon Marbury who you don't hear about, but he's over in China making a killing. Yeah, well, yeah I you know. So, so, I mean, the same thing could happen for a guy. Uh, like Antoine Walker, he could do the same thing. But I mean, a lot of guys don't want to leave. But you know, I, I I would I would take pleasure in leaving and going to see another culture uh, and stuff like that. that. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even that. I mean, you know what? We even have rumors going around that Michael Finley, 39 years old, is trying to make a comeback in the NBA. Now, is he going to be on the D team one day or what? You know, it's. No, nah, I don't think Finley would. Um, like I said, you know, a guy like Michael Finley, if a yeah. team is interested in a big guard that can shoot the ball, bring him in for a workout. Bring Which him in for a workout. Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, bring him in for a workout. And if he's in shape, you know, you sign him. Or, you know, or you sign him when the 10-day contract start up, you sign him to a 10-day. You know, yeah. and, 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 I mean, that would be the smart way to do it. Um, you know, that way you don't have to sign him for, you know, guaranteed money. And then, it, you know, if he happens to – uh, not show up like you think he could show up, then you don't have to cut him and then continue to pay him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what, let me, you know, Chuck, let me ask you this, man. You played for 12 NBA teams, you're coached, and you're assistant coach in the NBA D-League, and now you're a scout. So far, okay. which has been the toughest for you? The toughest probably would be being in the D-League with the travel and the hotels and, uh, you know, just the, the small towns that you go to and, you're riding on the vans and it's cold and you don't have heat in your room. You got yeah. a heater. Oh. You know yeah. that that's probably uh, the toughest. You know the, the scouting thing is pretty easy. I just have to give my opinion on somebody. I could be <laughs> wrong and I could keep my job. <laughs> you know so the scouting is easy. I, I'd much rather do the scouting. You know, yeah. but I, I enjoy the coaching because I enjoy sharing the, the things that I've learned throughout my career with yeah. players, and I, I just enjoy um, teaching and helping uh, younger players grow, and it's fun to see them grow mm-hmm. um, as players. So that's the part that I miss about coaching. But, you know, the part about scouting, you know, like, I, like I'm in Orlando now with my family. I mean, I couldn't do that. Uh, if I was coaching now, I'd be somewhere, you know, getting ready for a game. So, I mean, the scouting part, being with your family, you can't beat that. You can't beat it. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. I mean, hey, listen, you're still close to the game, which – that's awesome, you know. You oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, what else you want me to do? I've been around basketball for twenty five years of my life. Right. You know, now what am I going to do? Go into corporate America? 
I can't, they're not gonna have me in corporate America. I gotta do something around basketball, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've done all my life. So I, I never understood why a basketball guy, just like a guy like Patrick Ewing, why can't he find a coaching job? Why can't he? Why can't somebody hire him? Yeah. You know, I never understood that. You know, they hire a guy that hasn't played professional basketball in the pro ranks. So I think as far as that goes, now that's getting a little deeper. I think that, you know, the NBA and the players need to take care of, you know, the NBA players more. You know, like you should never hear about, you know, basketball players going broke. I mean, you just basically hear the basketball and the, and the football going broke and stuff yeah. like that. You should never hear about that. We should take yeah. care of each other better than that because I'll tell you, you never hear about a baseball player going broke. You have a baseball player do all the drugs, chase all the women, but he ain't never broke. You know, you don't hear about it. I'm going a little deeper there. I, I didn't mean to fly off that end, but I'm just saying. No, listen, man. Listen, I agree with you, man. And listen, if we weren't on the radio right now, I could get into some stuff, man, especially with the Knicks, man, that I don't agree with. So, <laughs> Right? You know, there's lots going on with that, man. I totally agree with you with that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned before the Knicks are your team, man. You're on that Rockets team that knocked them out in 94. Thanks so much for that. I appreciate that, Jucky. I mean, that really <laughs> broke my heart. Um, <laughs> now, was there ever any interest from the Knicks to you? I mean, you know, you know, did you ever get to try out for the Knicks? I mean, did, did they ever contact you when you were a free agent? Yeah, there actually was interest in the Knicks. Um, I got released from San Antonio back in 2001, I think it was. And uh, I was on waivers, and the Knicks had, I guess, contacted my agent, and uh, they needed a guy. And um, I remember somebody sending me an article from the New York Post where my picture was in the post that the Knicks were waiting for me to clear waivers. And Charlotte mm-hmm. claimed me off waivers, and because of the picking order or however that works, I had to go to Charlotte and uh-huh. couldn't go to New York. So I was a little crushed by that because I really wanted to go to the Knicks, and I, and I saw Patrick Ewing during the season, and Pat was like, man, you know you're supposed to be here. I said, hey, I wanted to be there, but I couldn't. You know, I couldn't. You know, I guess I could have said, you know, I'm not going, you know, and just waited it out and played with this. But I didn't know I had that option back then, or I would have done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, that's that, man. We would have loved to have had you on the next show. That would have been awesome. I love New York. New York is my favorite city, and I tell people all the time, New York is the best city, hands down, over any city in the country. I don't care – what, what what you say? Because New York never shuts down. The Big Apple never sleeps. No, so no, it I, no. I, I love New York, and I think it's the best city ever. So basically, when you got to play for the Nets in '92, that was pretty cool, then, right? Oh, that was that was as close as I could get. I stayed yeah. in the city every day. I was in the city every day. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was as close as I could get. I mean, I grew up with a lot of people. My cousins are still in New York, so. I mean, it was good for me to be there. And, you know, I, I still get to New York every now and then, and I, I bring my kids up there to show them where I grew up, you know, to show them, show, show them my neighborhood. Even though oh, it changed to, a lot, I still I still show them my neighborhood. You have to, man. Yeah. You have to. You know, that's you know that's something that's instilled in you, man, and, and it'll never go away, man. You know what? Me and you were in the oh, same yeah. like that. That's awesome. So, listen, I, I have to ask you, though, man. You know what? You love playing in Houston. Uh, right. You know what? You were traded to Phoenix. How does it feel to be traded for a guy like Charles Barkley in the NBA Hall of Famer? Hey, I, you know, I felt good about it, even though I know that uh, Phoenix didn't really care that I was in the deal. Uh, they, they wanted, I think they wanted basically Sam and Robert. So I knew that they, they didn't really want me in that deal. I, I, and, you know, Rudy T had called me that day when I got traded and said that, mm-hmm. you know, my contract made the numbers work out. So 
you know, I was like, cool, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And just, you know, I just went on the finish. I mean, it felt good, though, to be traded for a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That right. felt good. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know what, man? And you're also trading next to a guy, Robert Horry, who has, like, what, like 24 NBA rings yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, so I, I was traded with Robert, too. So, I mean, that's great. <laughs> I mean, great company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, that's awesome, man. So, listen, you know what? You're a scout now. Do you ever want to be a coach in the NBA? Yeah, good question. Um, if the opportunity presented itself and the timing was right, yeah. But I, I just wouldn't um, – not that I'm trying to be picky or anything, but yeah. I just wouldn't take any job just to say that, you know, I'm coaching in the NBA. It would it would definitely have to be a job that um you know, that I felt like I could be successful and I felt like, you know, they were gonna allow me the tools to be successful because not every place, regardless of what what people may think, not every place I think tries to be um successful. You know, okay. or they don't allow the coach the opportunity or they you know, they don't give him the tools to be successful. Now you look at like the Clippers, you know, the Miami Heat, you know, they're they're allowing uh their coaches or they're giving them the tools to be successful. Now if if they're not successful, that's on the coach and then you can him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You can him and you put him in the supermarket somewhere and you get get rid of them. Yeah. You know, so I mean Oklahoma City allows you know, there's certain teams that allow, you know, their their people um uh, uh, they get the people and stuff to, to be successful with. And there's, there's some teams that are, are looking at, you know, budgets and money. But, you know, like they always say in Vegas, you know, you got to spend money to make money. Oh, absolutely. So, so, listen, man, Knicks call you tomorrow, man. They got an open spot on their bench. You taking it? I'm there. I'm, I'm chilling with Rasheed the whole time. I'm right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, oh, man, he's actually playing now, man, so you might be chilling with Amari because he's still on the end of the bench there doing nothing. So. <laughs> Yeah, but Rasheed will be my hangout partner. I'll be hanging with Rasheed. <laughs> right, man. Are you trying to say it because you guys are closer in age, so you got more in common or what? <laughs> yeah, because we're closer in age. That's right. <laughs> well, you got Marcus Camby there too, man. So Marcus, that's Camby. right. Marcus Camby. Me, Marcus Camby, and Rasheed can chill out together. <laughs> well, listen, Chucky, man, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still a huge Knicks fan, man. I still follow him no matter where I am, man. It, it, if you're ever on the Knicks bench one day, man, that would be amazing, man. We would love to see that. Yeah, well, I'd love to be there. Let them know that. <laughs> sure, man. Uh, sure. Uh, so, listen, Chucky, man, listen, we're going to let you go, man. We, we we totally appreciate you taking the Absolutely. time out. You get back to your family. You have a great vacation. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get you on in the future to talk some more NBA again. All right, man, anytime. Just let me know. I, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Right. The, the pleasure is ours, man. You got it. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. All right, bye bye. What a great guy, man! Wow, that was a, yeah. He is. You want to talk about small to the earth? Listen, man. I, I you know what? I spoke to him on the phone yesterday, man. And uh, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, wow, okay, here's Chucky Brown, guy that was on the Rockets that knocked my Knicks out. You know, huge John Starks fan I am, and uh, you know, I'm like, this is this is Chucky Brown, man. This, I, this is supposed to be my enemy, you know. But, you know, I knew Chucky was from, you know, New York. Maybe we're both New York products. And, uh, you know, once I spoke to us, I was like, wow, what an amazing person. Yeah, he is just, I mean, that was some of the some of the most enjoyable, I guess, uh, athlete slash celebrity kind of conversation I've ever had, truthfully. No, it, 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 it was great, man. You know what, and I, and I yeah, spoke to a lot of people. And, uh, you know what, let me tell you, uh, Chucky Brown, what a great human being. He, he really is.
what, what a down-to-earth dude, man. He's just he's cool. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, no filter, really, in some respects. I mean, when I say no filter, I mean, uh, he, he's going to tell you exactly what he, what, he, what he thinks. I mean, you know, he's, he's not playing any kind of – there's no uh, there's no political correctness going on. Dude, I mean, he's a New Yorker, man. He's like me, of course. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have filters in New York, man. We say how it is. You know? Outstanding. That was great. Yeah, great. It really was, man. Uh, you know, hopefully, man, if he comes up here, uh, you know, scouting some colleges in the Philadelphia area, maybe we can get him on. Well, he's saying he does the uh, Southeastern. I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, that is a hotbed of college basketball. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. He's got his hands full uh, scouting that, that region. But listen, man, you know, a guy like that with a personality like that and all that knowledge – he ain't gonna stay a scout for long, man. He's definitely gonna be a coach in the league one day. Think, and I, I you know, I, I, you know, you, you hit the question, and I actually had it written down over here on my side too, you know, because he was saying about, uh, you know, he likes doing the scouting and what have you, but he didn't like, he didn't like the developmental league, uh, coaching. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, an assistant coach, I could see it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, man, I think I'm gonna have to start that petition. New York Knicks, you got an open spot in your bench. I think you need to hire Chucky Brown. <laughs> Because what? What are you going to see at the end of the bench? Him, Rashid, Camby, and Kid—they're going to be kicking it all day. That's, that's <laughs> funny. That is funny. Oh man, what, you know what, what a great guy, man. Seriously. Good job. Yep. You no. Know, um, all right, man. But before we get over to our next segment, Mike, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of football here. Um, I just want to let everybody know: Wednesday, great show. We're going to be talking about fan behavior. Friday, we're going to be joined by another former NBA player, Willie Burton. Yep. He's going to be with us, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about a, uh, you know. A lot of stuff. We're going to talk about his NBA career, what he's doing now. We're also going to be talking about educated stars of tomorrow, which is something that uh, you know Willie's doing for all these student athletes, and uh, it's 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 really amazing. If you got a chance before Friday show, check out educatedstarsoftomorrow.com, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know we'll learn more about it when uh, Willie uh, calls in on Friday. Absolutely, great. Absolutely, topic. it's you know, man, it's you know what? I'm like a kid again. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm looking forward to to, to all that. I'm looking forward to Friday. Uh, and, and, and boy, if, if it's anything like what we just got done there with, uh, with Chucky, uh, it's well worth a listen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I spoke to Willie Burton yesterday too on the phone. Very, very nice guy. Uh, you know, definitely looking forward to it, but you know, Mike, I'm sure you had more questions for Chucky, but you know, speaking to one of my favorite role players in the NBA, man, I, I just couldn't stop myself. No, no, no. Hey, but, but honestly, man, it was like speaking to a longtime friend. That's listen. He's the kind of guy. I mean, when he tells you that he's going to be coming back on again, we're going to get him back on. Don't worry about that one. Oh, absolutely, man. I know it. I know it. You know. But listen, Chucky, I got your email address and your phone number, so I'm not having you to come back on a couple more times. So <laughs> beware, man. <laughs> All right, let's talk NFL. Good game yesterday, Mike. Uh, probably the game of the day. Atlanta Falcons defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 24 to 23. Falcons are now 10 and one. But wow. Did the Buccaneers take it to Atlanta yesterday? This was, uh, I, I, you know, you're right. I, we were talking a little bit, taking a look over the scoreboard from yesterday, and I said, boy, the game of the day yesterday. I mean, there were a couple of them. I mean, you know, we had a couple of games going to overtime. Uh, one went on overtime on Thursday. Yeah, but and this we had is just a back-and-forth battle. Yeah, but, but boy, it, it, the line on this game, the line on the Atlanta-Tampa Bay game was one in favor of Atlanta. Yeah. That was the line. When we, you know, when you and I talked about it on Wednesday, yeah. and we were picking them, uh, Atlanta was favored by one. So this turned out to be this turned out to be a push on the whole on, on this game. Uh, nobody won it, you know, as far as as far as the line went. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the uh, incredible game. I, I, you know, one of the things I said to you, and I have been looking for, and I've been waiting to see the chinks in the armor of Atlanta, and I think you know we're starting to see them in the past couple of weeks. Uh, they have not looked near as oh, I don't know what would the word be sturdy as they did earlier on in the season. Or and as I dominant. Think yeah, yeah. I think what we're starting to see is we're starting to see an Atlanta team that is very very beatable. Potentially yesterday, Tampa Bay could have won this game. Um, you know, I think the the difference in it was the fact that Tampa Bay just has no rushing game whatsoever. Yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, it, it really was. It was an exciting game. Uh, I I for one was, despite the fact that I had picked Atlanta, I was I was pulling for Tampa Bay to upset. Well, I mean, you know what? They still got two touchdowns out of Doug Martin. Yep. Um, yep. You know, un- unfortunately, I think uh, you know where it you know where it failed for Tampa Bay was Josh Freeman connecting with a wide receiver in the end zone. Right. You know, because uh, the 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 running game was going. I mean, he only had 50 yards, but he still had two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, yeah. but unfortunately, uh, you know, Vincent Jackson, Underwood, Dallas Clark, uh, you know, they just couldn't get into the end zone and get that touchdown. Yeah. Definitely. You know, because the Atlanta rushing is is awful. You know. Only seventy nine yards between three players, but they got two touchdowns as well. Yeah, so, I mean it's not much better. Don't you know? Don't get me. Don't no, get me. but it's, honestly, when we're talking about Tampa Bay saying that you know Freeman to one of the wide receivers was their failure, that was Atlanta's success in that eighty yard strike to Julio Jones for the right. touchdown. So, right. you know, I, honestly, it, it, it you know what you always hear about games coming down to one score, but this came this game came down to one play. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, again, man, I mean, Matt Ryan looked phenomenal. 353 yards, 26 to 32, 110 quarterback rating. Yes. Uh, you know, only sacked once, but, uh, you know, he looked great. But, so, you know, but so did Josh Freeman. Mm-hmm. You know, but Freeman's coming into his own, isn't he? It, uh, and, and that's a Tampa Bay team that I think, you know, a lot of people have, have kind of dismissed a little bit. And, and well, as well, you should, I mean, when you take a look at their record. Uh, but they're, they're a surprising team. That you know, you know, you're starting to see glimmers of of potentially the future. Yeah. But I think but they're growing. They, they grow- really need to address. They really need to address a ground game. That's what, that's really where Tampa Bay. Is. They got Doug Martin. Guy's a really good running back. What they need is a backup running back because you know, 21 carries for Martin with nobody else spelling him. You know, that's you know, that's not keeping him off the field. You know, to try to get fresh and to you know to uh, rejuvenate to get back in there. Right. You know, you look at Atlanta, Jaquise Rogers, Michael Turner. They're running back and forth. They're sharing the splits. Doug Martin all by himself with nobody else touching the ball. I mean, that's that's terrible. Twenty-one carries, twenty-one carries, fifty yards, dude. That's only a two-point-four average. Yeah, something's got to be done to give the guy a little bit of protection. All right. Uh, obviously, Atlanta was closing up the holes for this guy. Absolutely. So he wasn't getting anywhere at a two-point-four average. Yeah, he got the two touchdowns. That's fine. I believe both of those were what goal line or red zone. Uh, not sure. I know he had a 10-yard... Uh, one yard, he had a one-yard run, uh, yeah, two one-yard runs. So, yeah. they were both goal line. Yeah, okay, that's that's fine. Obviously, you're going to run the ball okay. when you get the ball on the yard line. You know, fullback, you have to get the offensive line moving in, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they, you know... The phenomenal running back, so you can't put the blame on him for that one. But, but you can put it on the running game. So. I think Tampa Bay is a team that's up and coming. Uh, of course, I said that about Detroit last year, too. Ha! Huh. Yeah, but you know what, man? Just take a look at this, too. If they did not sign Vincent Jackson, where would they be right now? Yeah. Because 
Freeman to Vincent Jackson has looked amazing this season. I agree. You know, yesterday, five receptions, 96 yards for Vincent Jackson again. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that hasn't been a game this season. He's almost 1,000 yards in now receiving with seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's really, you know, be, you know, making this Tampa Bay team look even better. Yep. But look, Rondé Barber, man, how old is he now, like 50? I was going to say, you know, I'm seeing him out there running around. and He got another interception yesterday. Yeah, honestly. 62 tackles, one forced fumble, and four interceptions on the year for Rondé Barber. I mean, just see something here. Uh, I was just I was just looking to see what his age is see, just for just for the fun of it. Yeah, thirty seven. Sixteen there you go. In the NFL now. Wow. How amazing that because you don't see many players doing a sixteen year career. No. In the NFL. Some of them, you know, average maybe six years in the NFL. Mhm. That's crazy, man. Well, yeah. Uh you know, my uh, uh my brother called in the other day and he was talking about Gonzalez. Over on the other side, uh, Atlanta Falcons, I, he's got 16 years. Tight end. Uh, he's got 16 years uh, in the uh, NFL. One one year younger than uh, Rondé Barber. Yes. But yeah, yes. Tony Gonzalez looks like he's about 52. Yep, so. yep, yep. But, you know, uh, my brother was pointing out, I mean, what a phenomenal season he has he has had uh, uh, with, with Atlanta this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know what? Has Tony Gonzalez ever had a terrible season? Uh, you know, great point. You know, that, that's, that's a good one. 368 yards. Uh, and you know something? Has always done it rather quietly. Yeah. You know, that was the thing that I was pointing out on Friday. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, that guy is a phenomenal football player. Yep. No matter which way you look at it, you know, and I hate to say it, but Kansas City should have never, ever got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Ever. You know, not that they have a good quarterback in Kansas City, but still. You know, this is a guy that deserves to retire with the team that he helped make. Right. You know? Right. But, man, listen, you know what? In, in his 16-year career, he's had only uh, – he he went only over 100 receptions once, mm-hmm. and he only scored double-digit touchdowns three times. And yet, he's still one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Amazing. You got it. Amazing. You got it. Well, we got a football game tonight, huh? Everybody tuning tune into that big one? Oh, that, 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 listen, man, that is going to be an action-packed game. It's going to be so action-packed that I'm not even going to tune in. Well, i got to tell you something, though, John, and I'll just bring it up real quick, um, just as kind of a sidebar, because we can come back and talk about it, you know, on the, uh, in the aftermath on Wednesday. The, the, the side story on this uh, is, of course, the game is being played uh, in Philadelphia at the link, and we're talking about the game that will be played tonight on Monday Night Football, and that's the Carolina Panthers at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a Monday Night Football game, and, of course, the rumors flying around Philadelphia have been that John Gruden uh, potentially could be the next coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Which, well, there you've got John Gruden up there uh, broadcasting the game uh, along with uh, Mike Tirico, and uh, – the, the the big concern is whether the fans are going to actually be screaming and cheering, you know, uh, we want Gruden, you know, and, and the whole anti-Andy uh, Reid uh, movement that's going on right now amongst the fan base. Might be worth tuning in just to see how that's all going to fall out. Yeah. It's, you know, Reid's going. I'm sorry, Reid's going. I of course. Yeah, a couple of coaching changes this offseason. Uh, Reid's definitely going to be one of them. And I, honestly, I, I hope – I like the guy. I think he's an amazing defensive coordinator. He's just not a good head coach. I hope Rex Ryan is one of them as well. 
Uh, I would agree with you. I, 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 think, I think it might do your Jets a real bit of good yeah. uh, to take a good, hard look at that. Now, you know, it's interesting because Rex's name really has not been brought up on the short list of cuts. You know, although it almost seems like since, uh, what, about week four, uh, Andy's name has been on the short week uh, short list of cuts, along with people like North Turner and uh, Jason Garrett. Uh, but I, I frankly think that Rex should be placed on that on that list. Oh, no, he should be. He absolutely should be. There is no you know, question about it that he should be on that list. But uh, – no, I mean, I don't think there's – I think there's a little doubt here in the Philadelphia region that Andy is probably going to be walking away. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how Jeffrey Lurie can possibly even – there's no way he could – the public relations to even keeping him would be would be uh, disastrous. Yes. So there's little there's little choice here. I think the, the, the more, um, I guess, maybe awkward situation is the fact you're going to have John Gruden in the house. Yeah. That's awkward. Yeah, it's gonna happen. So, definitely gonna happen. That'll so. be the Monday night game tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's really not gonna be anything good today. You know, you know, tonight. So, I mean, if you think it's gonna be good, I mean, have a blast. But it's it's honestly not gonna be a good game tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! All right. Well, you know what? Let's talk hockey, Mike. Uh, it's been a while since we really spoke NHL. Um, you know, we we got this one story coming off the USA Today by uh, Josh Brown and Josh Cooper today that you sent me earlier today, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, NHL lockout is taking its toll on Nashville businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on days when the Predators should be playing, uh, you know, a, a lot of their businesses are hurting. I yeah. mean, and, and they're hurting bad. And this is something that we've spoke about where, um, you know, the NHL lockout is not really hurting the players or the owners. It's hurting the small people. It's hurting the fans. It's hurting the mom and pop businesses. It's the uh, ripple down. It's the ripple down effect. It, it, it really is. Now you have uh, restaurants and bars in, in these NHL cities that are really hurting right now for business, and uh, you know these are the places that would be playing NHL games right now, having NHL fans come in to watch and uh, pay money for food, for drinks and whatnot, and that's it. I mean, they're just losing out on all of that money. And and who are the ones that they're highlighting that are getting hurt the most are the small market teams that were hurting anyhow to begin with. You know, so, uh, you know, much of what this whole, you know, we talked about the small market teams and how they have impacted in on the negotiations to begin with with the NHL and the NHLPA. And who are the ones that are getting hurt immediately as a result of this? The small market teams, the Nashvilles. I would suspect Columbus. I would suspect Phoenix. I would suspect perhaps maybe New Jersey. These are the smaller market teams that we have been talking about all through the whole process, and who are the ones that are getting hurt first, and with the greatest impact, the small markets. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, honestly it's sickening, and I, and I feel terrible for these small businesses. And uh, you know what? There's even big businesses that are being hurt by this. Sure. Um, you know that's the sad part. I mean, there's uh, you know, I don't know what else to say anymore because it's just everybody is being pulled by this chain by the NHL. And it's listen. It's not going to end good, Mike. I mean, I'm sure you know. We spoke weeks ago where you where you said, "Well, the fans are still going to come back. Everybody's going to come back." But the longer this keeps going like this, where everybody's change is just being jerked, you know what? I'm not so sure anymore. Well, and, and you know, uh, it was during. It's been during this holiday break and what have you that you know. Here comes the next 
uh, level of of cancellations. Uh, you, you know, you know. I think you and I are both a little bit. We've gotten weary of even addressing it, but I believe it was on Friday uh, that it came down from the NHL that, of course, now games are being canceled through what the middle of December, and of course now the uh, All Star Weekend has been canceled. So that's going to directly hit Columbus in the in the in the pocketbook. Yes. Um, Columbus, as we know, we, you know, we were talking to, to Dan Hynote, uh when we had him on a number of weeks ago. They were the, the whole city of Columbus was looking forward to that event. They couldn't wait for it. They knew it was going to be uh, money coming into the uh, city. That it was an economic uh, issue. You know, uh, it was going to help them out. And now, you know, there they are. They're sitting. You know, no Christmas for Columbus. Yeah. Um. You know, th- this is what we're. You know, the long-term effect of all of this. Uh, it's sickening. It, it, it's grotesque. It really. It, it has gotten to a level of grotesque. Big time, big time, you know. But out of it comes something good. Um, you know, this this uh, weekend we had the uh, this game put together, and who said Flyers and Rangers players can't get along great? Scott Hartnell of the Flyers and uh, New York Rangers center Brad Richards organized a charity game yesterday um, called Operation Hattrick. It was at Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, and uh, they were raising money for uh, Hurricane uh, Sandy victims. And uh, Team New York beat Team New Jersey 10-6. to uh-huh. Rangers goalie Henrik Lundqvist, 56 sa- 57 saves, Mike, Yeah, yep. in this charity contest yesterday. Yep. Yep. There was a sellout crowd of over almost 11,000 people of hockey-starved fans. Well, you, you know, you got to, in some respects, like, you know, you, you got a lot of players right now that are sitting off on the sidelines waiting for this whole situation to get resolved, uh, you know, if it ever gets resolved. And you got to give them you got to give them props in some respects for you know uh taking up the cause and going out and pulling something like this together. It was actually a pretty good a pretty good situation. Um and, and props to them. I mean, you know, look, you're not doing anything anyhow. Might as well go out and raise a little bit of money uh to help the situation out uh following uh the disaster of Sandy. Nah. Nah. Well, it was funny because you know what, you look at the crowd yesterday the crowd kept chanting, we want hockey, we want hockey. And then they also started chanting of uh, Gary Bettman's firing Yep, yep. from the NHL. But then, uh, you know, the, all of the players yesterday, they met with Donald Fair to get a uh, update on the negotiations. And uh, Donald Fair said, and, and I'm going to quote this now from this Yahoo article, uh, when you make a move towards them, if you're going to have an agreement, somebody has to say yes, and now I can do this. Instead, they said more or less yes, and what else can you do for me? Everybody understands that negotiation is a process. So far, we seem to be the only people doing the negotiating. So he's saying that the NHLPA are the only ones doing the negotiating. The NHL and the owners are not doing no negotiating at all. Uh, you know, look, Fair, Fair's got his own platform, and I got it, okay? Let's put it this way. And, I, you know, I'm going to speak like a fan for a moment, which I am. I think we've all gotten tired of the rhetoric on both sides. Yes. The bottom line is this. This situation is not going to get resolved until there is a mediator. We need an arbitrator to get in here. Now, the problem's going to be, how are they going to decide on who the arbitrator is going to be? That's the only thing that's going to do this. Fair can make all the statements he wants, and that's all fine and good. And we can sit there and pat him on the back. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sick of his crap, too. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of everybody. Like I said, Batman and Fair both need to go. I'm sorry. As heads of the people that they are going for, there needs to be some sort of good faith and communication going on between them. And you're not going to get for the good of the league. 
as well as the people that they are hired to fight for. And I don't think we're going to get good faith until we actually have an independent arbitrator sitting down between these two and saying, shut the hell up, this is the way it's going to be. I agree. I agree. And we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. I do agree that there needs to be an independent arbitrator called on to get this done. You know, now, how does, that, how does that process go? You know, that's the whole thing. That's exactly – well, yeah. Who's going to be the one to step in and say, all right, we're, we're mandating now that an arbitrator has to be there, and then, you know – Who's going to mandate who that arbitrator is? Yeah. I mean, when when is enough enough? Yeah. I guess that's the point. Well, and I hate to sound so trite about it, but that's really the, that's the bottom line. And there's the frustration coming out is when is enough enough? Well, let me ask you this, Mike. With all these uh, small mom and pop businesses really hurting because of this, I mean, you know, just throwing this out there, is there any chance that a state or even a government gets involved in something like this eventually? Well, I called on it the other week, and I said, you know, I am I am completely not in favor of of, of our government getting involved in situations like this. But you know, I don't know. But if they come to the aid of the small people that are not being thought of, well, not, not in the game. Good points, especially when voting comes around. Sure, but <laughs> now 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 you're pulling up a dangerous precedent. I mean. I would prefer to rest on something that already exists or a case that already might be out there. I mean, could a, a, a uh, uh, could the uh, National Labor Relations Board get involved in this? How about that? Is there a case someplace? Is there a precedent for the NLRB to get involved in this? Yeah. I don't know, man. Something's got to happen. Something's got to happen soon. But See, you know, you're, we're working on we're working on a situation where we're actually talking about entertainment versus something that is vital. It's yeah. not a vital service. Now, of course, you know, go tell that to the folks in Nashville or in Columbus that it's not a vital service. Those those businesses that are that that need the income. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. Whatever. We're both <laughs> pissed about it. Yeah, well, I'm sure yeah. a lot of other people are too. So what are you going to do? You know. Yeah. We well, just keep uh, updating it as it comes along, and uh, hopefully something good comes out of it soon. All right, Mike. We got two minutes left in the show. We got to do our plugs here. As always, check out Frat House Mike, our very own Mike McShane, and our uh, fill-in co-host uh, Sidekick over there at uh, FratHouseSports.net. Yep. Head over there, read the great content. Check out Five Minutes at the Frat House, and as always, check out the Beat the Shark contest featuring the lovely ladies of the Lingerie Football League. And where can you check that out? At Fan Junkies. www.FanJunkies.net. Sports interaction for all fans. It's 100% free. Not sure if you're listening why you haven't signed up yet, but get over there and sign up. It's a <laughs> Facebook for sports fans. That's all it is, and it's great. Uh, Wednesday show, we're going to be talking about fan behavior in sports. Friday, former NBA player Willie Burton is going to join us. And once again, thank you to former NBA player and current New Orleans scout Chucky Brown for joining Absolutely. us. Amazing human being. We Absolutely. hope to have him on in the very near future again. And... For Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thanks for listening to Fan Junkies Radio, and we'll see you all Friday. Talk to you Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, excuse me. <laughs> Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. <laughs>